We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 181. Our guest today just launched an app called Equine Platform, which connects professionals and trainers at horse shows to buy and sell horses. So smart, right? I can't even tell you how many times I am planning a specific week to go to a certain horse show, but I have no idea who's going to be there to try my horse or if I'm looking to buy a horse, what's going to be there for me to sit on. So I think this is such a smart app and so needed in this industry. Our guest not only competes in Grand Prix, but she also came up with the idea of the app when she was buying and selling her own and realized how difficult the entire process was. So without further ado, I would love to welcome our guest today, Kendall Gath. I'm so excited to hear about the equine platform and a little bit about what you're doing with your riding and kind of where you're at in the horse world, but would love to kind of have you take us back to the beginning. Like, how did you find yourself in the horse world from the start? So my dad, it's actually kind of a funny story. My dad um, was watching us one day. We had gone to the zoo. My mom was at a baby shower, I think it was. We went to the zoo and then We live across the street from a barn and we had lived there for like five years and had never been across the street to the barn. So we walked across the street and we met my trainer that kind of started all at the time and then signed up for one lesson and never looked back. (laughs) That's amazing. I love it. About it. I always say it's your fault. You got me into it. Yep. Were you based in California at that point? Have you been in California your whole life? Yeah. So I grew up in Huntington Beach, rode with Tracy Burroughs of Huntington Beach. And then when it kind of started to get a little bit more serious, I was making the commute down to San Diego every and then decided to move to San Diego. So I've been in Southern California my whole life. That is a hike of a commute. (laughs) Yeah, it, it got pretty brutal. But at the time it was like, there was not too many options. And I was super committed to the, the trainer that I was with at the time. So it made, it made sense. Totally. At what point were you like, I really like love this. I want to keep doing this and kind of keep going towards the top of the level. There's not a time when I can say like, I noticed I loved it. I've always kind of just had a really strong passion for it. And I've known that I want it to be in my life for sure. forever. I didn't really know what avenue that was, Um, but I think it was when I started training with Enrique and Eduardo Menezes that I realized that they brought out, like Enrique brought out the really fun side of the sport for me and the passion and made me realize how much I actually really do love it. Even though at that point I was jumping like a meter 20 or a meter 10 or something, but he definitely encouraged me to keep going when it got tough. And I, I think having a co- a good coach really helps a lot. And I think that was, he was a big part of why I'm still going for sure. Totally. Yeah. I feel, let's talk about that height and kind of, I feel like that's a crossroads for a lot of people. They're like meter 10, meter 20, you're, you know, jumping jumps, but there's definitely that significant jump 
after that where you know the fences get higher they get wider the competition the the type of horse you use it's just all is kind of the next step up so tell me a little, like take me back to that time when you were kind of making that transition into those bigger classes what are some what was kind of like your learning curve what are some things you had to figure out did you have horse changes at that time what did that look like for you so I had my, the horse that took me from the meter 20 to the meter 35, I was really my, like, I had her for three years. We went up and down. It was kind of a, I had to work really hard when she, when she lost her confidence a little bit in the meter 20 and then we had to step back down. So that point I was in the meter 20 to the meter 30 for a really long time. I was, I was kind of. I don't want to say stuck there, but I was stuck there for a long time. But I think for me, a lot of it was really mental and I had to work really hard on my mental game. I I would get super nervous about, I don't know, old trainers watching or who's whoever's watching or I'm a bit of a perfectionist in that way. Um, Still, it's something I really wait. Oh my gosh. An equestrian is a perfectionist. Like crazy. (laughs) I go in the ring with a little bit too high of expectations most sure. of the time. And so I had to really work on it. And so I called Enrique one day cause I wasn't really riding with him. He was in Europe and I said, I'm really struggling on my mental game. I would win one day and then fall off the next. It was just really inconsistent. Yeah. Uh, and he said, you need to read this golf book by Dr. Bob Rotella. And so that's his therapist that he goes to. So he said, you need to read this golf book. It changed everything. I listened to wow. all the podcasts. I read the book. I just got really into my routine, I guess you could say, at the horse shows and really just tried to focus on my mental game. And then, of course, having a, I just recently moved to Cassio Rivetti, and that change was probably another one of the best changes that I've made just because we work so well together. So I think. In between that step of like meter 20 to, to now, like the bigger international Grand Prix that I'm doing, I think my mental game and, and definitely my coach has made the biggest difference, I'd say. And obviously, you have to have the horses to do it. Right. Um, but yeah, I, it definitely has made a, a big difference with who I'm with. When was your first Grand Prix that you competed in? Do you have like distinct memories of it? I competed in my first like small, I guess you could say like national Grand Prix when I, it was July of last year. And then I did my first two star July of this year. <laughs> and then I did my first three star in August. So I think wow. it, it kind of moved up really fast for me, but obviously my coach has played a big part in that. Cause I've always been someone that I have um, a little bit of crazy goals and he's been someone that I can tell my goals to even a little bit unrealistic as they are. And he'd say, okay, we're going to try. If you don't do it, then, then okay. But like, we're going to really try Mm -hmm. and jumping star in Michigan was definitely a huge goal of mine. I didn't really anticipate about a month ago to jump the Grand Prix. I was just going to jump the speed and then the, the qualifier, but it got rained out the first day of the speed. So I really only had the qualifier and the, the Grand Prix and I had went just for that one week. So it was kind of a sink or swim moment of like, okay, we're going to jump the Grand Prix, but it's just like a, let's be 
safe and get bound kind uh-huh. of thing. So I went in. I somehow, I don't know, I kind of blacked out. I jumped clear with the time fault. <laughs> and that, I think, was the, the moment where I was like, oh, like I can actually, I might be able to do this kind of thing. That was definitely a, a point where I noticed my love for the top of the international level. And I just am recently changing my nationality. So it's all, it's all kind of a new world for me right now, stepping into that level, but it's definitely really fun. Yeah. What's, how's that process like, and what are you, what are you changing and where are you at in the process? My nationality changed. So I am changing from the U S to Uruguay, Uruguay, South America. My grandmother is from South America. So it was really important to me to kind of represent that smaller of a country. There's not a ton of rider, but it, it means a lot to me that I can definitely represent it. I'm in the process right now. I just sent in my form to FEI. It got approved. So now it's kind of a, a waiting game for the flag to be switched on, on FEI. Wow. That's so exciting. I love that. And something that you said earlier with your trainer, I feel like is so important, especially when it comes to goals. I feel like all of us kind of in the, in the back of our mind have these like maybe what seem to be like outrageous, crazy, like unattainable goals. So having people that you feel like you can voice even the crazy big ones, I think is so important. So that's so cool that you have that within your team. For sure. And he's someone that when I first moved to him, it was like I had been in a position before where goals were okay, but I didn't have like the mind capacity to to say, okay, want to go there and then have a coach that would be like, okay, we're going to go there. Even if it's, oh, I want to go on the moon, you know? So it, when I moved to him, it was like, it, we were kind of sitting there one day and I was like, oh, like I could ride for, for Uruguay. And he was like, oh, you should change. We can go to Pan American. And I started laughing because I was like, <laughs> I'm not going to Pan American. Like I don't have the horsepower first of all yet. And like, that's a big, I was jumping the, the highs in thermal, you know, it, it was, Right. It was like, I started laughing and he's like, no, I'm serious. And then a few months later, he like kept bringing it up and kept bringing it up. And then I noticed that he was actually like serious about it. So I had talked to my parents and, and kind of started that. I flew to the consulate. I was waiting to see if I was going to make the young rider team. Cause obviously I can't switch if I'm going to be on the young rider team. Cause they're not part of, of North American young riders. And then when I found out I didn't make it, I flew to the consulate and I kind of switched like a week after or got the, got that process going at least. But he's definitely been someone that has been a huge, a huge part in it for me because for me, it's a lot of it is really, really mental. So he's been a big, a big help in that for sure. Tell me a little bit about your horses, like a little bit about your lineup. I know you, as you've kind of been getting more and more accustomed to, you know, uh, competing at the Grand Prix level, you've been, you know, buying and selling some horses and which kind of uh, birthed their newest endeavor, which we'll touch on in a little bit, equine platform. But tell me a little bit about your process in finding your horses, what you kind of look for and who you have in your lineup. So I have had my two that I've had now for I want to say going on three years I have my little like speed horse that I take in like all the meter 35 meter 40 speeds 
that's super fun for me. It's kind of a, a, I can go in the ring and like breathe a little bit and just have fun. Um, so I have her and when I bought her, I actually had signed contracts that she is going back to Europe when I'm done with her to breed. So she actually isn't for sale, which kind of goes against everything that my business is, but she is not for sale. So I have her, she's 13 now, I think her name's Crawley. And then I have Mika. She came in three years ago with my old coach, brought her in. And then I ended up switching coaches and I got the ride on her. She did some World Cups in the past with him, but she definitely was very, very green for her age. I think she started when she was like seven years old. She had babies. So I've had her for a long time. That's been a, it's been a tricky one for me for sure, but, but it's super rewarding because we've put so much work into her and now to see her do as well as she's doing at the level that we're at is, is very rewarding, but that one is for sale. I've grown up with the mentality of like, everything is for sale. My dad is a car salesman. So if someone were to come up and say, Oh, I want to buy it. There was, there is zero no's. Mm -hmm. (laughs) been given up. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Love it. Always option. Love it. Before we get in a word from our sponsor, I want to talk about them for a little bit because I have worked with and worn Tucker Tweed equestrian products for a while now and I love them. The quality leather is amazing and I'm always wearing their Wellington wristlet and their backpack. The products are stunning. If you are familiar with Tucker Tweed Equestrian, then you most likely know and have seen how often they promote their retail partners. With the cancellation of a number of nationwide horse shows, many retail partners are missing out on key opportunities to see and service their clients. So, to support their partner tax stores, Tucker Tweed is encouraging you to shop tax store websites during those missed horse show dates or purchase through Tucker Tweed directly, but then make sure to tag the respective tax stores in the order notes. This way, we can all support tax stores and each tax store receives credit for any purchases made. Thank you so much for that reminder, Jill Tweedy, founder of Tucker Tweed. You are amazing, Jill. Thank you for everything that you're doing. Okay, let's get back to the episode. So let's talk a little bit about the equine platform. How did that come to be? And what made you realize that, oh man, there's like kind of a hole in the industry for something like this? Back to my dad, he started like 10 years ago in online, the same exact thing, but for, for hypercars. So it's dealer to dealer, wholesale only, all on the back end technology platform for that. So that's his main business. So he, we were kind of talking about it one day and he's like, there's nothing like hit figure is what it's called for horses. And mm. the reality everything in the horse world is really, really outdated on technology. It's really lacking in that part of the industry. So we hired Mavis Spencer at the time. She really helped kind of launch the, the business. It's taken a very long time. I think at the start, it was, it was difficult because at the end of the day, like I said, the professionals are not used to technology and people are used to doing things a certain way. So to try and get people to use it in a different way or, or change their processes a little bit was definitely difficult. 
And we started by brokering deals. So we would get an ISO or an in search of, and then we would kind of match make. Um, and people did not love that very much in the horse world. So we changed it now to, you can see any horse for sale at any horse show across the country. Because again, we were at a horse show and my dad was like, there is no way to tell if any of these horses are for sale. Mm -hmm. Unless you go in like a porta potty and you see a flyer. Yeah. (laughs) That's the only way to see if there's any horses for sale. Um, So now we created our app that we've been working on for the past year. And it just came out in July. So you can go on and see any horse for sale at any horse show in the country. I think we have from July to December, we have about 425 horse shows. That's like, that's county shows, even if if they're like one day shows. So it's super fun. I think people are going to really, really like it. So cool. What kind of, because I mean, I feel like a lot of it is just hard to, I feel like with the equestrian industry for like anything, even if it's just like fashion or retail or whatever, that it's like, no one's going to make that first move in trying something new until they see other people or big names or whatever doing it first. Then it's like, okay, I'll, I'll look into it. So do you feel like that was kind of a struggle with, you know, starting an equestrian business like this? Yeah, for sure. I think it, it still is a little bit of a struggle because not our name is not out yet. We started on the West Coast. I think we have every trainer signed up on the West Coast possible, maybe except for like three. So the West Coast was really our market. And then we started to branch out to the East Coast, got a lot of big names on the East Coast, which helped a lot. And having Mavis as a big of a name she is really yeah. helped. Though. So it definitely has been a little bit of a struggle the past three years. We've changed a lot. We've changed the structure of it a lot just to you know, finding out what trainers like and they don't like and and changing the technology so that it's super easy for them to use because the reality is if the technology is not easy for them to use, they're not going to use it. So it definitely has been a little bit of a struggle in that way. But I think once our name gets out there a lot more and people realize how easy it is to use and how fast the process is and exactly what we do for a small amount, it, it's going to take off for sure. Definitely. Do you have a like a specific range as far as price goes that you like to keep the the sale horses within? Is there is there kind of like a, a range that you like to keep it at? I get this question a lot, but we've gotten I mean, I've sold we've sold horses that are like first horses to five star horses. Like there's not really a specific but it's kind of yeah, it's kind of all over. For sure. Yeah, I think that if you can find ways to kind of get through to, uh, especially the higher end, is so it would be it would be like gold because I think a lot I think a pain point for a lot of the the trainers and buyers that are selling the you know six to seven figure horses that um, I I don't think that they I think that they need to do a lot of their selling or at least in their opinion need to do their selling through word of mouth and other trainers that they know and other buyers that they know of. So having a space where you can really cater to those higher end horses and programs, I think is really cool. And it gives, it it takes a lot of stress off of those trainers and and owners um, to be able to do it in 
a much easier way than trying to, you know, go through all their contacts and figure out who would be interested in a horse at that caliber. Right. I agree completely. Very cool. So what does the equine platform look like for you in the next year? And then how was last year for you with everything with COVID? How did that kind of affect business? COVID was definitely difficult. We had put, our app was supposed to launch in January. We obviously halted that because our business that we do is at the horse shows and horse shows were not happening anymore. Mm -hmm. So we stopped that a lot of work to the app that it was kind of a blessing in disguise because we were able to spend so much time on the app and perfect the process. So that was a a blessing in disguise, but also it it was a little bit of a bummer because we had to launch it like eight months later. But the next year, we're really going to try and focus on targeting the horse shows, the bigger horse shows for sure. We've got some partnerships with horse shows coming up. So I think just, yeah, just focusing on horse shows and really trying to target that market. Totally. That's so exciting. Walk me through a little bit of the app and kind of what features someone would find on the app or the, and, and the website as well. So when you go on the app, you can list any of your horses for sale or lease. You can go, you click on horse shows and there's the list of all of the states. So you go by state, you click on the state, and then you click on the date that you're trying to register your horse for the horse show on. And then it'll show you all of the horses for sale at the horse show. You can also create trials or schedule trials through our our site, which is super nice because it automates it a little bit. And then you can, the nice thing about our site too is, unlike the other sites, it's completely free to list your horse outside of a horse show. So you can horse shop or list a horse. We have a little bit over 2,000 horses right now for sale on the app. So you can look at those or list your horse for sale for free if it's not at a horse show. And then you just pay a super small fee to list it at a horse show. So it's super nice because it, other than the horse show, it's completely free, which not wow. a lot of them are. It to be super easy for everyone to use and, and really just focus on the horse show market. Totally. It's, that's so smart to have something that, especially if you have a potential buyer who, you know, maybe isn't going, isn't going to Kentucky normally that week in years past, but, but, and doesn't really know who's going to be there. So I I really love that idea. For sure. It was difficult for me even because I was going, when I went to Michigan a month ago, I was going with Casio and we were like I was I was wanting to sell my mare at the time before I jumped it that week and I was talking to my dad and I was like how are we gonna I don't I wish our our app wasn't out at the time but I was like this is when our app would be so nice because I am so familiar with the west coast group of riders sure but I go to the east coast and and it's the exact problem of I don't know anybody here so how am I gonna market her to people here besides like the dealers that I know. So it, it definitely solves a major issue in that, you know, realistically, you're not going to know everyone at every single horse show and you want to be able to move your inventory fast and, and switch it out to make profit. So mm-hmm. it definitely solves a big, a big issue. Yeah. I think that that's an amazing idea. That's exciting. Are you planning on doing much on the East coast this winter, like at WEF or what is, what does the schedule look like for you moving forward? Definitely. So, before in the past when we were, I was kind of, 
I was creating the list of horses for sale at, at the horse show myself. I would go on showgrounds and, and all those technology sites. And then I'd look at every trainer for sale or every horse for sale at that show, call every trainer. And then I'd make a list. Wellington and Thermal were massive for us on that list. I think we had like 300 horses for sale every week in Thermal and Wellington. So that's a huge wow. mark for sure, because those are primarily the only two circuits going on besides, okay, now we have Ocala. So those three, I would say are a huge, huge target for us. Definitely focusing on Wellington and Ocala and Thermal are going to be a big, a big focus for us for sure. That's so exciting. I love it. Tell me a little bit about an area of the industry that you are super passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about. Oh, that's kind of a tricky, a tricky one. I think transparency needs to be a little bit more resolved in our industry for sure. I think it's difficult because the transparency and deals push out a lot of the people that aren't as fortunate money-wise as some of the others that, you know, are, they're buying a horse for 250 but but really the horse is 100 you know? I think it's, I mm-hmm. think there needs to be a lot of transparency, like, fixing the, the industry a little bit. But I think our app is definitely helping with that. And hopefully if, if we can fix that in the industry a little bit, we're going to have a lot of people staying in the industry because they're not going to, you know, be burned out or, or pushed out. And I think it's a, it's definitely an issue. Yeah, that's, I think that's a really good point. And just kind of like what you were alluding to before that it's okay. And it's completely normal to not know everyone in the industry. It's a huge industry across the entire U.S. and world. And I think the beauty of our sport, something I always say, is that it's really a lifelong sport that if you're fortunate enough, you can be a part of for decades and decades, which for many other sports, that's not the case. And so I think kind of having that realization and transparency that you're not, you're not going to know, there's really never going to be a point where you know it all or know everyone. It's just not going to happen. The, the equestrian world's always changing and new people are being added to it all the time. So I think having that transparency where, and, and something that the equine platform is doing for, for that transparency is just allowing people to be able to, um, you know, get access to available horses that that maybe wouldn't have even been on the market because they were would have only been um, offered to you know people by word of mouth. So I think that this is this is a really great opportunity for people. Yeah, it just it expands a buyers and a sellers network of people because the reality is not like you said not everyone is going to know each other and and there is a buyer for your horse somewhere for sure. It, it takes a lot of of word of mouth if you don't have technology, which is definitely super tricky and, and getting the more people involved is also tricky. So we can keep it as simple as possible, the better. Definitely. And just like there's so many new professionals or professionals that have moved across the country, like what you were saying that you just completely, you have to start over as far as your connections are concerned. So having something like this, I think is really great for the industry to continue to grow. 
For sure. Connections are everything in this industry. So it's, it's very important. Yeah, I agree. Well, Kendall, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us a little bit about your exciting riding career, but also the equine platform. A lot of great things going and I wish you all the best. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.